Hey team, welcome to episode 74 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Well, if you're a longtime listener at NDP, you know that we believe there are several advantages to acquiring an existing dental practice rather than starting one up from scratch. However, we know that there are times where a startup just makes sense and it may be the best route for you and your goals. So in this episode, we are going to provide some quick tips, resources, and help you prepare for starting up a practice. If you can search back in the archives, we have archives. <laughs> We've already covered this topic in episode 15, all about the startup, and episode 63, where we interviewed the lovely Dr. Gabe Duncan. And we also talked to Jill Allen in episode 61. But we wanted to give you one more resource and outline some additional information should you decide this is the best path for you. But before we get going, Mr. Loretto, how are you? Hey, girl, how are you? I am wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, all headphoned up and looking very podcasty. Podcasty. <laughs> no, I am. I'm actually having some startup Tell issues. Tell me. Yeah, I know. Tell us. So I had to have my husband bring me to work today, oh. which is always super exciting. You know, you feel very privileged having two cars until yes. you only have one, and then you realize what a cluster it is sometimes. So my car's, yeah, just not starting up. Not an old car. Just got a new battery and then had to have uh, Mr. Uh, Matt Doyle, if you're lucky enough to work with us, maybe you'll be lucky enough to work for him, also known as the guy who helps me jump my car off when it keeps dying in the parking lot. So uh, we'll see how much the dealership... Is it chip problems? I mean, what's wrong with this car? It's like a new car. They don't know yet. Okay. Got towed to the dealership on Tuesday. It's a Thursday and we're still waiting to know. So I'm just waiting to like hear the big number and the comma that's probably going to be part of that solution. So bummer. What about you? Well, my and keeping in the startup problem theme, my startup issue is kids are home for the summer. <laughs> and this is an exciting time as a parent when they first come home and that lasts about a week. So now the son, Cole, big guy, he decides he doesn't want to work for the summer in a normal <laughs> fashion. He lets me know that he's going to do Uber. Uber Eats. Oh, okay. okay. I'm going to let him play this out, mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to shoot down dreams. You got to mm -hmm. support dreams. I'm supporting his dream, but I'm like, bro, I can run the math, right? You go to this gas place, to this place, we're at $5 gas. I go, this is not going to work out, but go ahead and do three or four days. Well, we haven't thought about insurance. Apparently, like a commercial insurance yeah. policy, think about the gas. And so he's averaged out to make about 13 an hour. I'm like, bro, I love you. You can go down the street and make 20 start up that they're back home soon they're gonna be starting up going back to school and i'll be missing them a little bit mm -hmm. but Did you at least get some like uber eats coupons I, like a little bit know. of like discount I, I, I haven't gotten there i haven't even gotten comfortable yet that he's even doing it without insurance so for roland i stay <laughs> off the north texas roads <laughs> if you see a white camry veer to the left or to the right <laughs> oh life well let's jump into it we have a lot of good content here i think we should start with like why would someone want to do an acquisition over a startup or if you're listening and maybe both are in your head and both are potentially options. What we hear is the startup versus the acquisition. The want for a startup usually either comes from not understanding why an acquisition might be better, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of general knowledge and kind of educating on like what the difference between cash flows and the economics of those two. Or sometimes it's a lack of inventory where you ultimately want to be, right? And so there's not the practice that you want to exist, but you have to, that's where you're going to land eventually. And there's no acquisition opportunities. Or we have talked to people where they're just 
that they have that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Like they've always seen themselves doing it. They understand that there's risk and opportunities and we'll kind of go through all those today. But yes, I get it. Yes, I'm educated. Yes, I know. But like, I still want to do it, right? And for those people, like we want to help support that dream. We've always said our job is not to make the decision for you, but to give you all the data and let you make that educated decision for yourself. And so we'll talk about that clearly from an acquisition standpoint. We always favor that, not because we want to squash your dreams, but because it's existing cash flow and existing patients and it's easier to buy something that's working right so that's why we want acquisition and we have a lot of episodes that go into that so I don't want to spend a ton of time there but startups you have a unique perspective because you get to talk to people on kind of both sides of the world and we both kind of hear it from the NDP standpoint but you have a pretty good kind of discussion and kind of conversation when someone says hey I'm interested in a startup so give that to us today and tell us kind of what your thoughts are first thanks for as always doing these and facilitating these these podcasts would not exist without you. So you're amazing. So thank you. Um, I agree that there's a couple of reasons why people do these podcasts. And even when visiting with Joel and I was like, well, what's the strategy on this one? It's like, I get so many just various stages of life. And a lot of it does come to owning and starting and so one is another kind of updated podcast. So that's why we're doing this today. But I 100% agree with you that when you come out, it's very rare you have the entrepreneur. So if the entrepreneur is going to be that D4, it may be one in 200 mm-hmm. D4s. It's like, I'm thinking about starting a practice from scratch, have a business plan. You're going to see that more with the surgeon, very common. And quite honestly, maybe the pediatric dentist, but there are very few that just come out mm-hmm. and say, I'm definitely doing a startup. It usually comes out of the lack of inventory that you saw that are in that current area. Area. The second is flat out frustration. Mm-hmm. I'm so sick and tired of I was associate. They didn't do this. So I've got a great story. I'm literally somebody I just spoke to before this recording. It was like, you, I'm going to have to like send, <laughs> literally, I'm going to have to send the cut of this, you know, directly to you because I don't think you're going to want to wait a couple of weeks. Like you got to listen to this. So, and I agree. We, of course, we want ownership. And part of the reason that the acquisition, as you said, to me, just like rings the spells, it just reduces risk. Mm-hmm. You're buying the patients, you're buying cash, you're buying systems. And, and, and from a wealth accumulation standpoint, you're just immediately turning a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, versus, you know, in the startup where we got to go and make these investments. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just kind of just start taking you through this you little brain dump of what I envision and kind of what I see for this startup kind of group. So I'm going to always keep a baseline of this conversation that we're talking general dentistry. And then I will certainly bring in other specialists as I think that it's important. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep this conversation for right now as general, but a lot of this information will apply to obviously all of the specialists. The number one thing I will tell you, I'm going to say it more than once, is active patients, new patients, active patients, new patients, active patients, new patients. I mean, (laughs) this is a patient thing. This is a patient game. And so I'll summarize this at the end as far as the number of patients you're needing. But ideally on a startup, man, we have certainly picked out the most perfect location. And your idea maybe of location is you're driving around and you see a for lease sign and it's commercial with dentistry and medical. It's like, oh, that's a great location. Where I think the perfect location is, is where somebody is independently telling you where that perfect location is. Mm-hmm. And so I love Dentographics. If you reference Dentographics, uh, Cane Waters 10, you get like a 10% discount. I don't get a referral for your kickback on that, but that is a independent resource. I also love it where if you can play this game correctly, I want you to already start to assemble 
your team. One of the key people that I will tell you in doing a startup is going to be the person that's going to be in charge of your marketing. So you got to already be thinking about new patients. So what I don't want and what I have seen is you go out and pick your spot. You get your contractor. Here's the architect, little space, big space. Then you bring on the person at the very end that's focusing on marketing. Well, now they don't have any impact if you pick the bad spot, you pick the bad location. So I really, really want for your team to be assembled, and I'll talk about various team members to make sure that we have the right team in place when we're going down this road. Also love that you have clinical experience. I always say in lecture is once your hands are trained, then your brain is trained on what to say. Your confidence of how your shoulders are, how it's presented, how your team is there. You got to get the clinical experience. So I really want, if it is a GP, to really go hit the GPR, hit the AGD. If not, you know, let's push ourselves with the full curriculum of COIS or uh, Spear or Dawson or Panky or whatever those institutes are, just make sure you get your clinical speed up as well as just efficiencies. And you're good at it, you love it, and that a turn that will get you into to your confidence. So those are some of the first things I really want us to have kind of in our bag, and I will start talking about other key things. And, and one of them is just your personal situation. Again, the young lady I just spoke to an hour ago, she happened to be a specialist. She was a periodontist by trade, and asked her about her debt and her situation. She was $450,000 in debt. Mm. You know, that's kind of a... Mm-hmm. Stop gap. Stop, you know, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you, know, you know, this is not, I'm not excited yet. And then I just casually said, you know, well, you know, tell me about other things in your life. Maybe you have children. Tell me about, you know, potentially spousal income. And she said the most beautiful two words, which is orthopedic surgeon. (laughs) Bingo. I love orthopedic surgeon spouses. (laughs) They make me happy. I already know it's a 500 number and it could be a million dollar number. It depends on partnership. It depends on this. And so I got really excited. I was like, sweet. And then I asked her about how much she's doing. Okay, she's doing $70,000 in the clinical. She can do that. Made me so excited because now I know she can run a million dollar practice. Mm -hmm. And now I know that they necessarily necessarily don't need all of the money she was making. Yep. I don't know, 150, 200, whatever the associates making. We take a tiny bit of pay cut. She goes from 200 to 100. Easy, yeah. easy. Yeah. We can go work two days a week someplace, all day, every day. Let's go do the startup, borrow $600,000 in this case for more than likely for a surgeon or for a periodontist because cone beams are, you know, six figures. These are things that are giving me this encouragement. So I'm definitely looking at debt. If I've got a lot of debt, sell me on. We've got maybe some spousal income or maybe some liquidity that you're just electively saying, I don't want to pay off that debt. Definitely want to know your specialty because that also tells me it could be a situation where, hey, that Charles, this is where I'm currently living. There's not this specialist in my area. There's this huge demand. You know, I've got other people that are already saying, hey, they want to refer to me. There's this one other specialist, but they're older. You know, sell me on it. Sell me if you're the GP that a lot of these GPs in the area, they're not doing any marketing. They're all fee-for-service. They're only working three days a week. Just give me the story. Give me the demand that's in the area for your type of practice. Tell me sell me on other things. You know, if if you're a pediatrician, if you're a pediatric dentist, and I don't know, your spouse is a pediatrician and happens to be in a four or five pediatrician group. Okay. Uh, You know, I love it. Tell me that you're an orthodontist and you have a pediatric dentist spouse. 
perfect. Tell me that you have a orthodontist spouse and, and you're the surgeon. Okay, these things are obviously feeding into each other. So let's take a look at some of these things because I love that there's that type of a story that can basically reduce your risk in this type of investment. So certainly you're budgeting. This is a lease deal that you're starting out on. I'm not a big fan of you know doing some type of land build project. I've seen it. I'm not going to say that it's not going to work. I just think that it's, it's a significant risk to do a build project when you have no idea what 10 years is going to look like. You're going to have to build probably going to be at least a $2 million. I've seen surgeons take out two and a half and three million dollars it's just a huge giant risk and a huge note and you know if you pay a lease you're getting a tax deduction if you're writing a check to the bank you're getting depreciation interest right so both of those are the same the only benefit with owning the property is obviously the equity that you're going to gain. But I can make a case where if, you know, over the years that you paid X amount of dollars, that's equity that you could have had in the bank. So you really need to have a financial plan and to really think about this. And I would say 95% of startups are going to be on the lease space. But again, let's don't lease too much. Don't lease too little. We need to have room to grow. Ideally for the GP, if I'm like mapping it out, I really want room that is going to be for six operatories. If you tell me I've got it set up for six and I have remote phone answering, I've got remote billing, I've got remote this, and it's a beautiful clinic and it's laid out this way and it's 1,700 square feet and six operatories in there, perfect. Mm -hmm. Why am I coming with six? Six for a GP, I've got room to grow. I've got room to grow my hygiene department. I've got room for an associate. And now I can really, really make this practice thrive over the next 10 years and to start thinking about associates that may lead to partners and now to make that move into the real estate market where I go and build a beautiful facility because my practice is successful, my overhead is down. And so I've got all of these things in place that are gonna lead to the building. So just keep in mind that you know one of the the things that we're thinking about is making sure we got a good space. I like the dental space advisors where they're helping you with finding that location that is specific to your needs. And again, that tie back into the dentographics as well as a tie back into what your practice management consultant that is focused on marketing new patients. All of those people are going to magically come together. When it comes time to the general contractor, uh, kind of, you know, some things I would talk about and, and, and kind of push you towards is let's first, let's go ahead and, and meet with some of the dental supply vendors. And I personally, I like Benco of the three major players. And one of the things I really like about Benco is they will fly you for free at their cost, either to Pennsylvania, California, or to Dallas where their showroom is, pick you up at the airport, take you and spend a full day with you, beautiful showrooms. They'll have architect that will be there. They will know your specialty. And you guys together can start working on, you know, kind of some mock-ups of what maybe your new office would look like. That equipment specialist will know general contractors in the area that they literally have built tens if not hundreds of practices with. I like the general contractors that just in dentistry that's been maybe in that area, that region that's got a lot of experience. They're able to pick up on things that maybe you or the architect have missed. And just I just like people with experience. So to get to that GC, either know somebody somebody else that's already built with other offices, friends of yours, and that has a GC in that area, or certainly go get that connection through the various uh, dental equipment, you know, kind of specialists and, and a dental vendor houses. 
The architect, a lot of times, will be very inexpensive through those major vendors. But at the same time, I, we don't need to go cheap. If they have a kind of a generic plan that works for you, awesome. Sometimes you are, from a specialty standpoint, you need something different, something unique. Could be surgical suites for perio and surgery. It could be the layout of maybe an open bay, quiet room type that you might see more commonly in a pedo office. And it could be a combo where I got pedo and ortho together. It's going to be traditionally more open bay across the board and could be in a little adult section. And a lot of times these architects like Joe's architect, again, no referral. You're welcome, Joe, whoever Joe is. I mean, Joe even <laughs> a real person. They made it up. I don't know, but they are well known in this space in that orthopedo space. So people like that, I don't mind paying a little bit more for because I, I do think that you're going to obviously get what you pay for. And I like before you go to these very specialized architects or specialized GPs that that's not your first visit with them. Go visit three, four, five offices, just like you would in a home. Figure out what you love about each of those locations and kind of start putting together what your ideal practice is. And I love, again, that you're going to get some of this, a lot of this free through a lot of these major dental vendors like Benco. Yeah. Can I interrupt? Absolutely. So I think this is really important because I think it also determines like when in your career you're doing this startup. Like we have some people who are fresh out like that one out of 200 that are going to do the startup right out of dental school. We have those that have been working five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 plus years and they're just frustrated and they're ready to do their own thing. We have people who are like second career. So like I also think it's important to understand like I think the team and dental specific is most important, but I also think think understanding because we've seen this unfortunately too many times where people go out and build these like Taj Mahals of startup dental practices and they don't do what you're explaining and about to go into more detail on the patient and marketing and then like the stress of that big Taj Mahal thing you've just built that's too big for what your plan was is probably more stressful and more frustrating than wherever you were prior where you were frustrated and you know didn't have an acquisition opportunity and wanted to go there so like right sizing based on when you're doing this startup and like giving yourself some growth, but maybe not doing every premium finish and really being smart about what you're doing, knowing what investment you're making and what that's going to look like and having the plan for the patients, I feel like is so super important given you're starting with zero in a startup situation. If you're listening and you're one of these people that are like, Hey, how do you sleep? Like, oh my God, I sleep amazing. I hit the head on the pillow, it's like 10 p.m. and I don't wake up until the alarm goes off. You know, it's seven or whatever. I sleep amazing. Let me give you a heads up. You go borrow about six to 700 grand. You sign a lease at six to $7,000 a month. Essentially, you just went in the hole about a million three. You've got zero patience. I'm telling you, heads up. You're gonna wake up in the middle of the night your stomach is going to absolutely be turning and you're not hungry and you're freaked out. Mm -hmm. Okay. I speak with experience because I have had that wake up moment when I started NDP. What am I doing? <laughs> I made a lot of foolish mistakes. Okay. I can do a whole episode on the foolish mistakes that Charles made starting a business and it's scary. And when I led this off, as far as my part, not your part, but when I led this off on far as like what the critical part, I, was, I said patience. Mm -hmm. And this is a patient thing. And so you need to have new patients for a GP. Ideally, it's 40 a month. 
Okay, that consultant is saying this is the number of new patients we're getting at four, five, six, ten offices they have done. I want you to interview that consultant and then go interview all of those clients that had hired him or her, that company, and confirm, yes, we're getting 40 new patients a month. I did everything they said. This is what we're spending. These are good patients. They're turning into active patients. We're getting inverted. They're into hygiene. I need that. Because in the end, if you get 40 new patients a month, 40 times 12, that's basically 500 new patients. Some of those will convert. Some of those will leave. Okay. I got to get my active patient base up to this approximately 15, 1,800 active patients so that it will generate enough revenue, keep me busy to where I can lower my overhead with my high fixed costs in this high rent area and be able to pay the debt service on the $600,000 that I just built. So I cannot stress enough that that location and getting those new patients in the door are absolutely critical. So sometimes these consultants, they're really good about maybe setting you up with the layout, you know, this and that, and maybe they're good with the systems. You know, here's a script how to answer the phone, or here's a script and how to get case acceptance, okay? That's one thing. Here's how to bill insurance. That's a whole nother thing. I need for this team to understand that the number one thing they do is to drive patients. Number two thing they do is they're absolutely amazing with training that front desk person to be a 10 and to close that new patient call. When that phone rings, there it's a 100% acceptance. They're coming in this practice. I mean, insurance, no insurance, we, are, we have a solution to get them in the door. No matter what they say, this is how we can serve you. We look forward to it. Let's get you in this office. If that consulting team has all of those components besides marketing or besides that skill set of hiring people and training them on the phone, know that is part of your weakness and know that you need to have that team on standby once we're ready to implement and strategize on the marketing 60 days before the door opens and making sure that, you know, 30 days before the door opens, I've got somebody already trained answering phones. Catherine, I tell, amazing. You're welcome, Catherine. She's great with phone training. Mm -hmm. So if you're missing that part, your consultant doesn't bring that, phone is absolutely critical. What's the point of spending X thousands of dollars to make the phone ring if you don't have a 10 out of 10 answering that phone? So just make sure. Another key is all of these vendors, many times you're like, I need this, I need payroll, I need to buy hand pieces, I, you know, I need credit card merchant service, I need, I need a bank, I need, there's gonna be literally 30 decisions. Best guess is you're not going to interview each one of these vendors and certainly not gonna be able to negotiate the best possible deal. This is an amazing resource, is you need to reach out to Elite Dental Alliance, EDA. It's the largest group purchasing organization in the country. You're gonna go there. And you get like six months for free and then eventually you pay like 1,300 bucks a year for that service. It will pay for itself. Literally, you're gonna get all these discounts on implants, dental supplies, dental equipment to credit card, this or that. It's just, it's an amazing service. So Elite Dental is absolutely somebody that you know, you should strongly consider prior to that opening. Lawyers, typically, if it's a complicated lease, you might need to hire a lawyer to review some 100-page lease. I like them to be dental specific, just so that you maybe have some clauses of maybe we add in that no other GPs are gonna be mm -hmm. in this particular stretch of property. 
It could be they're looking at certain things of how to get out or the renewal. Just, I like a dental specific lawyer that's there. We work with David Cohen. David Cohen, you're welcome. But anybody, as long as they're, you've got to trust with them, dental specific, and I like that they work on the flat fee mm-hmm. as well on the attorney side. You will need an accountant as well. And the main thing you'll need to think about is at what point do you make the S election for your corporation. So you're gonna set the corporation up, that's to protect you. And then from an accounting standpoint, your accountant that understands your situation will help you with the decision on when you'll make the S election. Only a few states in the US, it's not appropriate. Tennessee is one of them. But for the most part, the vast majority of all the states, it is gonna make sense to make that S election. Bank of America, largest bank that deals with this startup space. As of this recording of summer of of 22, Rates have obviously increased. We're still on that 4% range for startup loans. So I like it because they've got a model, they've got a checklist, and they're going to get you to the loan. It's actually easier to get a startup loan with them, which I don't know why. Here's 600 grand for a startup. It's actually less work to you to get that money versus me trying to get you $600,000 on a 800 collection practice that's already existing. I don't know why, no one can answer that, but that is, in my opinion, the best resource for dental lending on the startup. Acquisitions, there's a lot of banks, so I bring other banks obviously in for competition. As you get going, as the practice gets going, you will want to think about a dental uh, specific accounting chart of accounts. So when you first get going, you make no money. I don't care if you put things in the wrong category, but as you get going and now it's 400, 500 collections, I do have an opinion, strong opinion about the revenue, where it comes in, the expenses that are just direct cost people, direct cost supplies, labs. I'm very thoughtful about there. There's some other NDP episodes on that. So just kind of tune in for that. Back to the size and the layout, we talked a little bit about this somewhere around that 2,000 square feet for the GPs. For my endos, I don't really care, you know? You can have three chairs, it's $1,000 a month in the back corner, I don't care. It's usually very expensive for the endodontist, probably the least expensive rent. My lease and my concerns is gonna be for that person. For my perio, for my surgeons that have a, a good percent that's on the referral base as well as pros, the proximity of the other GPs in the area, super important. Visibility, easy parking, kind of in and out. Again, like Christy said, we just don't need to overbuild here. Let's don't, I'd rather be crowded in a space and be stressed with the crowd and the patients than to have overbuilt and be stressed with the rent and the overhead. And very common that we say around here at Cane Waters is there's, you're stressed with money and you're stressed without money. I'd rather just always be stressed with money. So that's why we like to be very conscious about managing our costs, in this case, our fixed costs, in this case, let's don't overbuild this thing. You know, let's you're doing a startup and let's don't plan for, I'm gonna bring, it's gonna turn into a three doctor practice. Let's figure out how to make six chairs work, you know, over a 10 year period. I can give you examples where we're turning $2 million out of those, that little 1800 square foot facility. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Then after we make a ton of money, then we'll go build that bigger space that can allow for growth because essentially you can grow with it. Let's be thoughtful too, as far as, you know, sometimes our startup practice is a very, very small acquisition. It is a- It's a jump start. Yeah, a little jump start, a little mm-hmm. 300, little cute little thing. You know, it's got some patience, but not much. And it's just, you're taking it over for $100,000. 
yet you're signing a lease and it's maybe three to four chairs. I do not want us to sign some long-term lease there. Mm -hmm. It's a temporary, I'd rather overpay in my lease there. I'm really looking to the future and say, I am gonna outgrow this space very, very quickly. This is just kind of my little starter and I'm gonna be moving on. So in those situations, let's make sure that we're not signing some long-term lease. We absolutely need to have, unless you're married to the orthopedic surgeon, absolutely need to have a backup plan with with work, Mm -hmm. a couple of days a week, go work at the busiest possible practice. So I've got some good income, obviously make sure it's outside of the the non-compete. Let's get a break even on your financial plan. You know, if if you're not fortunate to be married to the orthopedic surgeon, hey, I've been making 200,000 as the associate. I've got a stay home spouse with two kids. This is what my lifestyle is. I go down this road to startup, I better plan on, can I live on 150? How many days a week am I gonna need to work 150? And I can only work at this practice two days a week on the startup, so we gotta be thoughtful about how we schedule patients on those days and to know that that thing's not gonna send you a check until literally you start getting, I don't know, a couple hundred active patients in there. So that takes a while. It takes a good six months just to to generate those numbers. So. This is just, I feel like, like I'm, I'm, I do. I'm a lecture today. I this do. is not a I podcast. It's it. <laughs> just this lecture. <laughs> I love the brain dump sometimes. In the end, this is a math game. And so if we can figure out the math on how many patients does it take to hit certain numbers. So a general rule is between that 1,500 and 2,000 range on active, you will see that practice generating about a million dollars. So if I take that number in half and I say, hey, I've got about six to 700 active patients, more than likely we're gonna be like around this $500,000 type practice. And again, nothing wrong with 500,000 collections, but the problem is when you have a 500 collection office, it just doesn't make very much money. In a startup situation, you might be making 100 grand, you know, Mm -hmm. 120, 140, something like that. But when you look at the next 500, 600,000 that you turn into the practice, so now you're doing a million one, million two, the profitability on that next 300, 400, 500, or 600, you're not netting 20 cents on the dollar or 30 cents on the dollar. You could be netting as much as 50 cents on the dollar. So that's where I kind of, when is it important for good accounting? When? Yeah, it's when you start crossing probably four to $500,000 because now we really need to look at your direct costs and you look at your fixed costs and need to make some projections. If we bring another assistant, bring in a hygienist in and I keep my lab and my supplies, all these, I need to be able to look at those projections. So it's important and it will motivate you to know that your additional or incremental dollar that you're bringing in in the startup can be very, very profitable. That it, The office closes at five, patient comes in with emergency 430, there is a thousand dollar crown Sure, you can put it on the you know the books tomorrow. Same time you can do it in the books today, and then you know you could have a profit margin on that individual crown of maybe eight hundred dollars out of the thousand dollars that was there. So it can be very very profitable once you understand the incremental growth of the business. So the absolute key, if I can summarize, is we have to make sure a beautiful location, surround yourself with an amazing team and make sure that the marketing is the number one focus here and that we are confident, certain that we can drive new patients, confident and certain clinical skills are there, your confidence is there, you've hired the right team to help with case acceptance, hired the right team with answering the phone, and then basically getting those people in the chair, case acceptance, making sure they have you know, financial plan options for the patient to, to pay. And again, a lot of those vendors I talked about are a key that Elite Dental Alliance can help you with. 
have all those systems in place so that every step of this way, you're again kind of refining that team, the perfect startup team, and you'll just continue to take that team into the gradual part of ownership, six months, 12 months, a year, hopefully you know over a 30-year period, and never be afraid to fire a vendor if they're not providing a value that doesn't exceed what their service is. You just, you, even that's how we look at ourselves as Cane Waters. NDP is a transaction business. NDP will, you know, don't pay us our balance if we don't perform, okay? At the same time with Cane Waters, it's a month-to-month relationship. We're a vendor. If we provide a good value, you're going to keep paying. And I want you to have that mentality as the business owner as you look at all these people that are going to be providing this startup kind of coaching to you. So, Christy. I need water. I need Such water today. good information. It was stuck in my head. I was really kind of wanting to do this a few weeks ago. No, I, I, I know. It's kind of no. built up on me. You know, and I think it's so interesting because it's absolutely, if I, you know, as I sit here and listen, there's so many of those things that are consistent with any type of ownership. And I think that's kind of what we are here to do is to get you to ownership. And clearly we have a desired path, but we know it's not the only one, but like, giving a team and making sure it's the right location and making sure you understand the patient flow and really having a plan and figuring out like you, that you're the boss and mm-hmm. like driving both team and patients and the people that you engage to kind of help you to fulfill that mission, right? Whatever that end goal is, is the same, whether you're doing a startup or whether you're having an acquisition. And so clearly both have their own unique piece. And, and I think this episode hopefully gives everyone who's considering a startup just so much information to process. I feel like you're going to be getting extra calls. So we'll tell the team to mark those. Christy, Christy, remember the secret to the podcast is that they don't call. Okay. <laughs> You're giving them the information. That's you know, right, this that's is, right, that's right. Yeah, we're, we're giving the 30-minute information to basically so they can learn, you know. Yeah. So if you have questions, listen again. Yeah, listen and again. Then call. Yeah, and then, then call. call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm call. kidding, I'm kidding. No, you can call. I'm no. happy to coach you. This is fantastic. And remember, there are pros and cons to every dental transition path, and it's a matter of figuring out what path is right for you. So regardless of how you get there, we value practice ownership and would love to give you the resources to do so. So that's all we have for today. Thanks for joining us on episode 74 of Transition Talk. And as always, make sure to share the transition love with those who may not know of us yet. And of course, subscribe to Transition Talk wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, friends. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Thank you.